just around the corner from the Alpine Inn, down the road from Finicky Franks, this is Pacific Street Blues, broadcasting across western Iowa and eastern Nebraska from high atop the Ponca Hills. Welcome and good morning. We got a special show for you today. I got a buddy in the studio. We're going to go through a lot of taking a look at how music comes together. Uh, this is my friend, Jonathan Benjamin Alvarado, and he's a big time uh, PhD, professorial kind of guy. So we're going to dig into the music up to our elbows and have some fun today but but who'd you pick first who are the first two artists we listen to well, today the first two songs we listened to the first one was uh all blues by miles davis from the iconic jazz album kind of blue uh, 1959 i think it's been ranked as the top jazz album of all time and the biggest selling jazz album ever and and the other song that i picked along with that is the almond brothers dreams um which is uh on their first studio album comes out in 1969 why are those two songs plugged together? Well, there was an article uh, celebrating, I think it was the uh, 40th or 50th anniversary of the um, Almond Brothers appearing at, at the Fillmore East, in, in, and they were doing it at the Beacon Theater in New York um, in the Village Voice and talking about what a sensation the Almond Brothers were. These, this ragtag group of guys from Jacksonville, Florida by way of, of Georgia who kind of taken over the city. I mean, every single show that they were playing was sold out. And and so they asked him, you know, uh, they asked Dwayne Allman, what is it you're trying to accomplish with your music? And Allman said, simply, uh, we're trying to hold up a mirror to all the influences that, that they had had. Um, the, the Southern Church, uh, blues, uh, rock and roll, and coincidentally jazz. And that's why we're here to talk about it. Um, in particular, uh, Dwayne Allman mentioned that, that what he was trying to do was to channel uh, the same kind of, of, of tone that, that John Coltrane, who was Miles Davis' saxophone player on the Kind of Blues sessions. And so you listen to all blues as it's kind of, you know, of the 11-minute kind of opus that it is. And it go, if you listen to the very beginning of, of, of Dreams, it's very much the same. And as a matter of fact, I, I like playing them back to back all the time because it's almost like a, a meditation of sorts, okay. you know. And and what's so cool about it is that, you know, in, in their infinite 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 genius, you know, these twenty three and twenty four year old kids yeah. um are melding things together that we all take for granted now. You know, so much of it, it manifests itself in Southern rock. I mean, Southern rock is a perfect mashup of all these different influences of blues, of country, of, of hillbilly Appalachian music. White gospel, black gospel. White gospel, black gospel, and jazz. Yeah. You know, and so I'm, I've always been super enthralled with, with that song, uh, Dreams. I mean, it was, you know, when I was growing up, I... I used to have a little earplug in my ear, listen to my FM radio station <laughs> when my parents told me to go to bed. Um, and they we all did that. that at night. You know, <laughs> who didn't do that, right? Yeah. But no, that's kind of why I chose those two songs. I love them both dearly, and um, you know, I always wonder what, what life would have been like uh, for music lovers had uh, Dwayne Allman been able to live longer. So, on your next two songs, you kind of do the same exploration of a Brazilian rhythm. And you're going to show it to us in how the Rolling Stones uh, did it in a song we all know, and then also Dizzy Gillespie. Tell me about that. Well, okay, so um, 1963, this this huge hit comes out of Brazil, Mas Canada, and uh, Sergio Mendes in Brazil '66, 
uh, and a, a huge numbers of other artists take this song on and it becomes kind of a one of the standard bearers of, of Brazilian um, bossa nova samba music that's becoming very popular and it's exotic in the United States in the 1960s and ironically um, the Rolling Stones also experimented a lot. They they were uh, first if they were nothing else they were a blues covers band. We know mm -hmm. that. Yep. And they they openly profess it and made no excuses for it. This is what animated their their life in rock and roll. And and so um you know Mick Jagger had written a uh, Sympathy for the Devil, but he had written it as a ballad and he really didn't like it very much. And so he gave the song uh to the rest of the members of the group and said, "I want this to be on our next album, The Beggar's Banquet, but I I want this I don't want it the way that it is. I want it somewhat different. And Charlie Watts, a drummer who's a, f a huge jazz fan, and in particular, uh, one of his favorite drummers of all time is uh, Kenny Clark, who played with uh, Dizzy Gillespie and is, you know, really kind of very famous for introducing Latin rhythms into into co contemporary jazz. Got his hands all over it, and. Um, what you end up with, Sympathy for the Devil, obviously is a protest song against life in the 1970s. It's iconic because you think about Altamont, you think about Watergate, you think about you know the subversive nature of Sympathy for the Devil, you know mentions of Hitler and other uh, you know cult of personality type characters, um, and the underwritten underwritten by this in, this incredible Latin beat. Um, uh, actually a Cuban tinga. So the next two songs are um, Dizzy Gillespie's Masquenada from his Swing Low album and, and the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil. Thank you. 
verdad desde la esquina. Solo aprende el que camina. La verdad que hay en el barrio. Solo aprende el que camina. Los ojos de nuestra madre. Solo aprende el que camina. La razón del vecindario. Solo aprende el que camina. Solo aprende el que camina. Solo aprende el que camina. Solo aprende el de la herida. Solo aprende el que camina. Solo aprende el que camina. Solo aprende el que camina. That's music there from Amethyst Kia, and that's from a brand new record. It's an album entitled, uh, what is that, Many, Wary Strange. Wary and Strange. Yeah. Wary and Strange. So she's she's quite a phenomenon right now. You know, she's had breakout artists uh, 
really a good roots rocker um, coming out of Nashville with a whole bunch of really hot Nashville musicians and I think she's kind of an, uh, a, a real kind of link you know kind of the same thread that we were hearing with with uh, Brittany Howard when she was with Alabama Shakes right right and really I'm really excited about it because um, you know black women doing roots rock always really kind of strikes me as uh, kind of going back to the roots for real well, and I know she was on that record was it many rivers which also it featured four black uh, women and it was uh, Rihanna Giddens was in that yes yes so I, I really do like the rebirth of, of black musicians embracing roots music i think about the carolina chocolate drops right. and other groups like that that you know have really kind of you know wrapped themselves in very traditional southern roots type music and are, and are going interesting places with it so i really appreciate what she's done with that the song we heard before that was derek trucks uh kamale from his 2002 album a, um, a joyful noise uh he partners on there with um the incredible Reuben Blades, uh, salsa star in his own way, um, but to really kind of, you know, kind of a, a carry on to what I was alluding to earlier with what the Allman Brothers did in, in Dreams of really trying to fuse elements of jazz into, you know, uh, southern southern rock music, really blues infused, and I think you hear a lot of that with Derek Trucks. He's obviously gone off in a different direction since he's become the Trucks Tedeschi band, but you know, he held down the Allman Brothers for the last 15 years that it existed, <laughs> you know, uh, him and Warren Haynes. And so I always appreciate this because, I mean, I had the, the honor of seeing him when he was 15 years old uh, playing in Georgia. Um, and I knew he was going to be something big then. And, you know, he really is a standard bearer now for the slide guitar. He yep. has the, the legacy of Dwayne Allman in so many interesting ways. Um, and that song has always really fascinated me because, once again, we're fusing, you know, uh, a Latin beat, kind of what the Rolling Stones did, um, with with some straight ahead, uh, you know, slide guitar, rock and roll, and, and it, it it works. It works in, in magical ways. Well, you you grew up in California. Yes, I did. So with your uh, liking the rock and liking the blues and the Latin sound, you got to be a Carlos Santana. Fan. Oh yeah, huge, huge, huge. You know, and I've always really appreciated. The fact that Santana was always, always reaching out and bringing in the blues and bringing in salsa music, but also looking and bringing in, you know, really disparate sources of things. And, you know, even his big pop album in the, in the, in the 90s. Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> was bringing in a lot of different types of music and putting his stamp on it. And I, I always think the good musicians are very astute at doing that. And, yeah. it, you know, and I really like just the sense of discovery when you figure out Oh wow, they're doing this. This is this is tasty, as my friends used to say. So back I know home. I know Santana is a big disciple of Hendrix and Coltrane. Correct. And and so do you see a connection? Because you're kind of going down that you're mining that Coltrane vein here. Uh -huh. And so do you see that connection between well, Hendrix and Coltrane they, and Santana? Well, they, no, there was a very spiritual kind of you know thread through all of that. Um, right. Uh, you know, I, like I said, you know, we and we lost Jimmy far too soon. I, I think that that would have been you know. It would have manifested itself in some very, very interesting ways. And I do think that he could have gone, you know, the route of, of, a, of, a, of a jazz kind of, um, you well, know. He was kind of leaning that way with, uh, what was it, if Six Wars Nine yes, and, and yes. Third Planet from the and Sun. Yeah, and, you know, and did the stuff with Buddy Miles. Yeah, yeah. Own Buddy Miles, oh. you know, that it was very much like that. And, you know, and so 
like I said, unfortunate we lost those two guys because I think that they really would have been very influential in guiding us in a different direction. Now, I don't know if that would have been able to supplant the corporate rock that we were subjected to in the 70s. <laughs> Tortured with, yeah. Tortured. I mean, literally. I mean, but... uh, Come on, Jerdy. Don't stop believing. Well, it killed killed the blues. Well, yeah. In so many ways, it really did. It it, sterilized the radio, I think. That's a good way of looking at it. And so, no, I've always really kind of enjoyed those folks that do that kind of stuff. And, And it's always prompted me to think... You know why are they doing this how are they doing this what are their roots you know but um i know that santana's always done like a love supreme by john yeah. coltrane and some of his concerts i've seen it a couple of times where yeah he, where he's done that or, or he'll drop in you know a couple of phrases from something you go oh okay i get you buddy in the middle of the solo it's a little homage if yeah, you're paying yeah. attention you catch uh, it if you're paying attention and yeah that's the whole thing. But, it, uh, but on top of it that rhythm section just you know yeah. I mean, you just it drives the whole thing. And so it's amazing to see how music continues to kind of transform itself and to bring in, adopt, and to adapt in different modalities and make it part of what all these artists are doing. Um, and so, no, that's why I wanted to share those two songs. I think that in, in Amethyst Kia's, uh, you know, uh, defense, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a little aggressive. Yeah. And I, but I like that. I think that, you know... Um, I hope that she can have a good career. It's 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 very tenuous for people in in music these days, you know. Well, if you, and I was going to ask you about this because when I kind of look at the exploration of the roots of rock and roll, you kind of have Taj Mahal with that back to Africa sort of sound, where he's exploring with uh, traditional African uh, instrumentation, and then and and I'd appreciate your input on this, which is Ry Cooter has kind of explored that Southern California Latino sound uh, with his. What Chase? I can't say it Chavis right. Chavez Ravine. Chavez Ravine, and and the other, uh, the uh, Buena Vista Social Club. Yeah, know, yeah. And and so they're kind of leading those charges off, and then other people are now beginning to follow where they had well, led. If you think of Los Lobos. That's what they've always been. They've yeah. always been a mashup of styles. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they've done blues. They've done Zydeco. They've done Norteña music. They've done straight ahead rock and roll. I mean, I I think um, you know. Um, you know, they, they've covered everybody. Eric yeah, yeah. Clapton, you know, it, it goes on and on and on. And and they're true to the cause. Yeah. They, they are true American roots rock. And you know those guys. Yeah, yeah, the family members. Actually, my brother's a musician, and his drummer for many, many years was uh, Cougar Estrada, who was the road drummer for the for Los Lobos for almost 20 years. Um, wow. But, you know, they, they and they're back in the studio doing some crazy... Uh, Chicano reggae right now out of California. So, <laughs> okay. You know, right. More of the same. More of the same. So, so do you think uh, Ry Cooter is he? Is he? I mean, he's a great player, obviously, uh, but is he on the right path? Do you think? Is he? Is he bringing us things that otherwise wouldn't have gotten noticed? Well, I, listen. I think it was so interesting in the mid '90s when he did the project um, in Cuba on the Buena Vista Social Club. To resurrect the careers of these, you know, Iliadis Olachoa, yeah, um, Ruben Gonzalez and others, um, Ibrahim Ferrer, um, that he resurrected their careers, gave them, you know, a shot in the arm, and really do do justice to their careers because they had been really, you know, off off the map completely for thir- for thirty years, and he brought them back. And ironically enough, um, I, I spent a lot of time down in Cuba. I actually saw an earlier manifestation of it before it became the Buena Vista Social Club at a, at a, ra- at a radio station recording um, 
in Havana about the same time that he was there. I didn't know that he was there. And then I was able to see the Buena Vista Social Club a couple of times. And I really enjoyed the fact that uh, he was able to kind of bring that together. I know some people were really upset that he had, you know, his slide guitar playing with these guys. That would never happen in, in, in traditional Cuban music. I said, but this is their music. Yeah. You know, you it's easy for you to say that's not, you know, true, true to the form. But, you know, nothing is true to the form. So. Well, in, in the blues, we call those blues Nazis. There you go. You know, because you got to play it this certain way, and it's like, no, you don't. Well, <laughs> I see the same thing in jazz. You know, I, I go to jazz festivals all over the world, and, and you know, there will be, like, uh, uh, you know, the Monterey Jazz Festival is famous for having an eclectic uh, lineup always. And I know that there are people, the purists will get up and walk out when yeah. somebody's not a purist. Okay. You know, I saw... Uh, Corey Henry and the Jazz and the Funk Apostles and immediately he started playing it's really funky it's jazzy um, I loved it but I see these old guys get up and walk out and I'm not so young myself so yeah. maybe young at heart young at heart yeah, there yeah. You go. you're you're still pushing the boundaries <laughs> of the music and stuff yeah so so who do you have you've got another track for well, us well the last song we're going to listen to is a live version of uh, Donnie Hathaway Donnie Hathaway covering John Lennon's Jealous Guy, uh, a live concert at the Bitter End. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know Donny Hathaway, perhaps one of the most incredible vocalists and stylists emerging in the 1970s. And he, he died far too young. Um, I think that he's, he is another legacy that uh, his daughter um, happened, L Lala Hathaway, Layla Hathaway happens to be an incredible vocalist herself. and has really kind of captured uh, the hearts of a lot of folks. With well, her. most people are going to know Donnie Hathaway from the duets with uh, Roberta Flack. Right, Where's right. the love? Where's, and, uh, yeah. and and But uh, Hathaway suffered from schizophrenia? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. He, um, Tragic loss. Yeah, he he, he, got, he was already suffering in, in the mid-70s, but uh, a, a towering, towering, uh, you know, personality and an incredible voice. So that'll be the last song we're going to listen to. Well, let's hear it. All right.
was trembling inside I was trembling inside I didn't mean to hurt you no Thank you.